Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. How much do you know about Lady Bird Johnson? Yes, she was the first lady. Yes, Austin's downtown lake is named after her. Yes, we honor her when we see blue bonnets in the spring. But there was much more to this native Texan. Learn more about Lady Bird, the businesswoman, political advisor, and philanthropist in the exhibit Lady Bird, Beyond the Wildflowers at the LBJ Presidential Library. 9 to 5. Learn more at lbjlibrary.org. literally an institution in this town of digging up old photos, old stories, collections, everything you can imagine under the sun about this great city. Greasy spoons, dives, old clubs. If you love this city, you're going to love it even more. Real people, real stories, real places. This is the Austin Found Podcast. Welcome back to Austin Found. We appreciate you tuning in. I'm J.B. Hager. And I'm Michael Barnes. And if you are, uh, and there's a lot of you, an Austinite who passed through the halls of Austin High, you've probably gone into the Performing Arts Center and seen the name Jacqueline McGee thousands of times in your your years at uh, Austin High. And that's who we're going to talk about today. This is a, a woman who uh, is no longer with us as of June of 2020, but left a mark on education mm-hmm. in Austin. Let's start with talking about her background. Born in, born in 1929 and grew up in East Austin. And what's, what's interesting to me that you wrote about, Michael, is, is uh, what East Austin might have looked like demographically back in the 30s when she was a child. Right. Part of East Austin that was south of uh, East First Street, which is now Cesar Chavez Street. So the Holly and Cesar Chavez neighborhoods were very mixed ethnically. A lot of Swedish, Scottish, Irish immigrants, Latinos. And it was a place where uh, German immigrants, where a lot of different groups met and it wasn't until after World War II that it became a pretty solidly Latino neighborhood. So, and her father worked as an accountant for the MKT Railroad and then the Missouri, Kansas, and Texas. Mm. And her mother ran the little grocery store that was attached to their house. Now, I lived in that very neighborhood. They lived on Canterbury. I lived on Garden, different decades. Mm-hmm. But there were still little... You know, neighborhood grocers, not just neighborhood, but like in people's houses. Really? Uh, There was one that I went to on Holly Street that it was just a few dozen items, but it was open and, you you know, you got to know the the grocer. But it was on a residential property. It was. It was. Wow. Interesting. So she grew up in that environment and a love of a couple things, sports and music. absolutely. Absolutely. She was a great athlete. And she wrote the school song for Mets 
elementary school, which is over in that neighborhood. And she pitched fastball for the all-girls team that was sponsored by McGee's Grocery, her, <laughs> her parents' company. And she competed at the statewide level. Oh, wow. You know, if, if again, Metz is an elementary school name that's familiar to me, being uh, in Austin for a long time. But I was thrown off when it said Allen Junior High, mm-hmm. later to only find it. That's where she went and then on to Austin High. But... I was like, where was Alan Jr.? I've never heard of it. That's because that eventually burned down. It did. Which which we'll get to later because that – first, let's get through – so she did go through familiar names, uh, including Austin High. Right. And uh, graduated University of Texas with honors. That's right. And then became a teacher and started going back to – The places where she had gone to school. Yeah. Yeah, she uh, began teaching in 1952 at Allen. And Allen was the uh, red brick building that was at Ninth and Trinity, where the First Baptist Church is now, that modernist building. And it was that one of those old-fashioned, imposing, several stories high. And it had been, for a while, the high school. And then when they opened the Rio Grande campus of, of Austin High, now ACC, mm-hmm. Then what was known as Old Red for the color of the brick became the Allen Junior High for quite a long time until it burned down in the 1950s. And then she uh, went on to teach English right. at, at Austin High. At Austin High, and she taught it at several different schools. And she ended up being recruited, not ended up because she had a long career of many different jobs, but she was recruited to be the head of the English department at the new Johnston High School over in East Austin by the river. And and that was a new school, and it was meant for students of color, even though this was the time of desegregation. It was still far enough east that most of its students were Hispanic or uh, African-American. I've met some some people about my age. I'm 54, by the way, that were in West Austin or even South Austin, Caucasian, getting bussed to. Right. That was part of that era right. uh, when Johnston was new, I guess, that right. they were trying to integrate. By making big new schools where they hoped to bus people. And the sad or saddest part for me, just from a historical point of view, is that they named three of the newer high schools during the 50s and 60s while they were integrating after Confederates. Here you have new schools built primarily for uh, kids of color named after this is named after Albert Sidney Johnston, okay. who who was in the, the, the Texas Revolution, and he was a U.S. Uh, officer as well before he became a Civil War officer. He's buried in a beautiful crypt over in the Texas State Cemetery. But basically, to just to pull his name out of nowhere, yeah, because people didn't know, by the 1950s, had no idea who this was. Mm-hmm. Why name it after that? Well, it's a poke in the eye to the communities of color. So on the heels of integration in the schools, an all-white school board said, right. well, guess what? Yeah. And they literally found Confederate right. figures to name To name them. Reagan. Uh, who was a Confederate figure, Lanier, who was a Confederate poet. Oh, man. So, yeah, those have all since been changed. Right. And now 
if you're new to Austin, you might have heard of Memorial High, right. which is now Eastside Memorial. Yeah. Eastside Memorial, which is where Johnston is. Yeah. yeah. And so McGee became not only the head of the English department, but she was dean of students. She did all kinds of wonderful things with journalism and with student government. And, her and, stu- and music keeps coming and up. And music because <laughs> she worked on the school song yeah. for, for uh, Johnston High. She sounds like, and I, I think most people remember one specific teacher from the school that just, like the kids say hello to him. Every, mm-hmm. and, and even after, you know, years after going to their class, they stop by and say hi. Absolutely. And maybe go revisit the school as after a, graduation. She, as was, a, she was that person. As a former junior high and high school teacher, I was always jealous what? about Wait, these charismatic. How did, how did I not know you taught? <laughs> well, I mean, I've lived a fairly long life, so I've had several careers. Wow, that's but, good yeah. information. But anyway, yeah, there would be uh, uh, teachers, charismatic women usually, who would just walk down the hallway and everything would just part for them. And for, they, for me, it was Betsy Schmidt. Betsy at, Schmidt. At uh, Westwood High really? School. Yeah. yeah. I would still go back and visit her for years. Well, you know, I, I, I admire these leaders, and she became one of the, the great leaders in AISD and, and even an influencer around the country in how to build a top-notch public high school. And uh, she ended up doing that at, I mean, after she went back out her master's from UT, she was appointed principal of Lamar Junior High. And then when they decided to build the new Austin High, the new Austin High. I know. Town Lake, yeah. Yeah. She became, uh, in 1975, the first female principal of a large urban high school in Texas. And I think where she really left her stamp is turning around underperforming schools. Exactly. Right? Yeah. She sh- showed how to do it with Austin High, which was, at that time, even though uh, beloved by many students, pretty mediocre and mm-hmm. She personally recruited the best teachers for this big, big public high school. And she did so at a time when it was still mostly ex-football coaches who were like the administrators. And so as her her niece, her adoring niece, Susan Caldwell, who was my main source on this story, she said she broke the good old boy network with a smile. And you could just see her going into meetings where every other guy – Every other person is a man. Mm-hmm. Most of them were football coaches. <laughs> and she goes, now there's another way to do this. So she later went on to consult underperforming schools elsewhere. That was right. a, that became, became her thing, right? Yeah. No, I mean, she retired in her 50s because she developed macular degeneration and started going blind. But that didn't stop her because mm-hmm. she learned Braille and she went to the school for blind in Austin, and she she continued to be a force in education late into her life, and of course, a wonderful inspiration for her nieces and nephews. She never married, but uh, she had this large family who she was just she was the the aunt that everybody wanted to go and spend time at her lake house. Out at yeah, lake I Austin. want to hear more about the the lake house. Yeah, uh, and she she built it back in. Uh, 1960, she bought the land on Pool Canyon Road. I don't know where that is. Do you know that? 
Oh, yeah, I know where that road is. You do. Hey, I bike everywhere. Yes. I bike everywhere, Michael. That's actually back near Emerald Point on Lake Travis. Okay, okay. But if you think about when she was... if. Think about think about the uh, episode we did on Lakeway, right? And right. how there was nothing there until there was the 60s. nothing back then. Yeah, that had to be quite a journey to get out to that point on the lake. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it was a new lake, and there was no development out there. It had all been sheep and goats pastures, and there was very little in the way of amenities. And she was sort of a pioneer of that post-war recreational movement and built an A-frame house and a, a boat dock and a swimming dock. And and she just became, you know, the kids would all come out there in the summer to Goose View, which she called it, <laughs> and for water skiing and sailing and and it wasn't just riding. it wasn't just family and like Susan that you mentioned, yeah, she, but she would invite students students out there. Out yeah, there. Yeah. Wow! And and then and the, uh, there was always musical stuff going on. She would write these four chord versions of songs and then have her students or her nieces and nephews sing them and. And they all remembered this as being the best time of their lives, just their time at the lake with Aunt Jackie. And took an interest in uh, investing, too, in day trading, oh, yes, right? That's right. I mean, like, she was a renaissance woman. Let's just say no that. No doubt. No doubt. Yeah. And unfortunately, I never got to meet her. And this is kind of how I started the story that I wrote uh, that ran on July 16th, 2020, and is in the fourth volume of Indelible Austin, my Austin history books, that she, when I became aware of her, she was already dying. She was in hospice care, blind. And because of the pandemic, she didn't even have the benefit of human touch because she was in a facility uh, where... Isolated. Isolated. Aye. And so, you know, her, her uh, niece, Susan... And I worked hard to find a way to interview her by phone, maybe with some assistance, because she clearly was somebody who changed Austin mm -hmm. and changed the school system here. But by, uh, you know, June 4th, she had already passed. And, uh, and I realized we've still got to memorialize her. We've got to find a way to gather up these memories and do something in the newspaper. And uh, luckily, Susan was very helpful. You know, you dive into the archives to find other tidbits. And uh, yeah. On another side note, as someone who has covered such fascinating people around the city and has written obituaries mm -hmm. for many of them, you know, I went back and read her obituary and it just leaves you with a feeling of, well, one, wow, I wish I would met this right, person. Right, right, right. But two, I'm not living a good enough life. <laughs> you know, well, I, I, no, and I'm being honest when I when I say uh, that. Like it, it, it's inspiring yeah. to do more before I pass. Right, right. I don't know right. if people feel that way. I, I enjoy reading obituaries. Sure. Because uh, sometimes I see one and I go, wow, one, I wish I'd met him. But two, I was like, okay, yeah. I can do more. And of course, as a as a reporter, I wish I had interviewed them and I wish I'd written a profile of them yeah. before they went. But now I'm kind of like, you know, I'm glad I was able, thanks to S Susan, her niece, I was able to do a memory piece uh, about a month after she, six weeks after she died. And I got a lot of mail on that. A lot of people mm -hmm. remembered 
uh, Principal McGee and a lot of people had incredible things to say about her. So those are those are really heartwarming stories. Yeah, to do. and it's important for all, like I said at the beginning, all those people that pass through the halls of Austin mm-hmm. High to know why that name is there. Right, right. It's important. Yeah, we'd love your feedback. Maybe you're an Austin High alum and, and had a moment. We can share that on a future show. If you have any comments or feedback, you can write to us. M. Barnes, B-A-R-N-E-S, at statesman.com. Or J. Hager, H-A-G-E-R, at statesman.com. And as you said, this is in Volume 4 of Indelible Austin. And you can Google Jacqueline McGee obituary if you want to read that. I yeah. think it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a good read and worth it. So thanks for tuning in to Austin Found. Happy trails. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.